Hi, I'm Mike Phil. I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Generic Ad. Join us every Wednesday as we talk about films that seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film, maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own forgotten gem. Forgotten Cinema is available wherever you get your podcasts or at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family i swear i talk more in the episodes hello there i'm colleen and i'm anders we're nerds who love science fiction and fantasy stories so of course we love star wars and if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of it is nerds talking about star wars so every episode we journey to a galaxy far far away to discuss what's new in the star wars canon and beyond this is yet another Star Wars podcast, Intergalactic Edition. Not only are our characters in a whole new galaxy, Colleen, you are coming to us from a whole different country. We are international. Ooh, that is correct. I'm in Wales currently, and <laughs> I will be here for the foreseeable future. So we will be podcasting together at very different times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that's okay, because we still both love Ahsoka. And that's who we're talking about this week. We're considering our legacy and discussing the newest episode of the new Disney Plus series, Ahsoka. The episode is titled Far, Far Away. It was written by Dave Filoni and directed by Jennifer Getzinger. Anders, do you want to hear a story? Uh, As long as it helps me avoid my own feelings that I'm definitely still repressing. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Let's get right to it. We are going to punch it with our episode recap. So we start off, we have our only scene with Ahsoka this week. She and Hu Yang are moving moving right along at ludicrous speed in their comfy little pearl mouth. And they're discussing the old stories. You know, the ones that you used to hear when you were just a little youngling at the Jedi Temple. Yeah. Uh, And Ahsoka in this reveals to Hu Yang, she knows Sabine gave up the map completely willingly and went with the enemy of her own free will. Now, Hu Yang counters that for Sabine, that might have been the only choice she could have possibly made if it means that she needs to find Ezra. And Ahsoka doesn't want to think about that. So she says, you know what? Actually, tell me a story. And Hu Yang starts off a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. On the Eye of Zion. (laughs) Star Wars crawl. Sabine is in her cell. Balin comes to visit her, and she keeps reminding him of their deal, to which he... We had a deal! Violent. He never turns her down. Ray, I don't alter it further. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. He's just, like, sitting there awkwardly, like, looking at her like, uh... I said, <laughs> well, you, I said you wouldn't be hurt, and I said you'd see Ezra. <laughs> That's right. One is, one is still in play right now. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so... On the bridge, Balin tells Morgan that Sabine's singular focus on finding Ezra could make her useful to them in some way. They exit hyperspace around Peridia, which has a ring of purgle skeletons around it. It looks like Saturn at first until you get close, and then you're like, oh. And you're like, oh, this is some Lion King shit going on right here. Very much Lion King going on. Info dump time. Peridia was the ancient home of the Dathomiri and was one endpoint of the Purgle's migratory route. Now it seems like they only come here to die. Which, I mean, seeing who's there, I would think, yeah. Yeah. Now, Colleen, <laughs> we know we know the Night Sisters on Dathomir were wiped out, so they do have the secret home planet. So is this just a mirror of Zeb and his people? I would say so. <laughs> this is definitely the Lyrason of the Night Sisters. 
a mythical planet, although I don't think it's very, as uh, light side of the force as <laughs> Zeb's people would be. All right, so then we get some Shin. Shin gets Sabine and the crew goes to the surface where they meet three night sisters known as the Great Mothers. I'm going to call them the Night Mothers because I think that sounds I like really that. badass. <laughs> They're the ones who've been calling to Morgan across the galactic void, not Thrawn. Just saying. We're going to. At his behest. going to say it wasn't Thrawn. Yes, at his behest. They remarked that Sabine reeks of Jedi before confining her and having her removed to South. Whoops. So Sabine's kind of just right back where she just was. Not yeah. not the best time for her. Not moving along. <laughs> but in the meantime, Shin and Balin are kind of just taking in their surroundings. I, this was a really great scene. Actually, mm-hmm. upon rewatching, I thought that this scene actually took place later mm-hmm. um, when they're out in like the planes and stuff. But I was like, oh, that's right. It's here. So Balin's just reflecting on this place is like the stories of your youth come to life. Where Shin lots of stories, lot of stories. and Shin's like, oh, maybe they're just stories because she has no frame of reference for what he's talking about. We don't really don't know how she was brought up, but we know it was not in the Jedi Temple hearing Hu Yang tell these stories mm-hmm. about this place. I mean, and you can tell that this looks like the place where stories would be born. They've got those giant statues of the well, Night Sisters. Mm-hmm. Very, very Lord of the Rings. Just, just throwing lots that one of, out there. <laughs> lots of Lord of the Rings in this episode, but that's fine. A lot of epic fantasy stories come from Lord of the Rings. Absolutely. Uh, but Balin starts reflecting on the cycles of power. You know, darkness rises, it falls, rises again, and over and over and over again. And Shin's like, well, then it's our turn, right? And Balin's like, I I don't want, that's temporary. I am seeking something more, something much more permanent. And I actually wanted to pause here. I wanted to reflect on this point a little bit, because Balin's talking about the cycles over and over again. And obviously, that's (laughs) that's very common in stories in general, but especially science fiction fantasy stories. The same patterns repeat. All of this has happened before. All of this will happen again. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, darkness can only be delayed, can't actually be eradicated. You can only push it back with the light of a single candle. But in the end, yep. it'll always get there. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking about this in terms of Star Wars, because I'm thinking a lot about how sometimes fans are bumping against things like the very premise of the sequel trilogy and having the First Order come to power. And just like, so did the first, did the New Republic actually matter? Um, I mean, it and, did. <laughs> and it, it, and I know we've definitely reflected on this. Like, we've reflected on why the New Republic fell, and it does fit historical patterns pretty well. But the thing Appeasement about, doesn't work. <laughs> right. But the thing about science fiction and fantasy stories is usually what sets them apart is their sense of scale. We talked about this in terms of space when we were talking about the Book of Boba Fett, how Jabba the Hutt's territory was actually the entire outer rim, not a, the entire outer rim, not a single city on Tatooine that needed to be divided amongst three crime families. Right. And when we talk about the larger Star Wars galaxy and the timelines of things, the Republic, the original Republic stood for a thousand years. The Jedi Order has existed for thousands of years before the Republic. The Sith Empire was hundreds, if not thousands of years. The grand plan from with the rule of two took hundreds and if not thousands of years to implement. Yep. 
And then we get to this point here where, do the math, Phantom Menace through the end of Rise of Skywalker takes place in 67 total years. So we get... Balon's Wars. <laughs> yeah, we get Clone Wars, Republic Falls, Empire Rises, Age of the Empire, Rebellion Rises, um, Rebellion Wins, Empire Falls, New Republic is founded, New Republic flourishes... First order, rise, first order slash resistance, both rise, t- New Republic falls, whatever the heck you want to call final order happens in Rise of Skywalker. All of that takes place over like a single person's lifetime. Yep. There are the same people involved. And is that something that could be potentially why we're kind of, we tend to bump against it a little bit more? Like, and we think, I mean, yes, for the millions of people involved, the the rebellion winning does matter and for the but it's one thing to say it matters if winning this war is going to bring peace for a thousand years 500 years it's another to say it's going to last for 20 years <laughs> this is a really valid point um i think it really depends like humans our reference points are very short like that 67 years a lot can happen in a human lifetime in 67 years i mean world war one and world war two are not very far apart right and they have a lot of the same players whereas here you have creatures or species or races who can live far longer so i'm sure some of them are sitting out there like really like the wookies poor wookies like 67 years like what are we doing here what are we doing here we just keep getting like enslaved all over again it's it's just not okay. Like, you guys need to start learning from your mistakes. Um, I like the cycle going again and again and again. I think just here it's exacerbated because of Palpatine. I think he is a incendiary figure when it comes to any sort of historical happenings during this time frame. Mm-hmm. It's basically like everything that we know about Star Wars, especially in the movies, is basically the rise and fall of Palpatine the whole thing it's not even about the (laughs) it's not about the skywalkers it kind of is like anakin is there but really it's about palpatine's reach and how far his lifespan can go and he lives far longer because of the cloning process and whatnot but that's really all it is this is very small because it's all about palpatine (laughs) (laughs) If he hadn't been in Rise of Skywalker, I would probably amend my statement, but he is, and we can't change that. Right. <laughs> so I think what we rub up against is that we wanted a new story. Like, we, it could have still been light and dark, mm-hmm. but we wanted something that wasn't Palpatine. Unless it's Lego Palpatine, and then it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Thrawn is going to inject a new kind of villain into the story, which he did in the Heir to the Empire books. Yeah, I know I see your face when I said villain. Uh-huh. He's going to give that kind of feel that's different from Palpatine, which is why I think this will work in the long run. Because people enjoyed the Heir to the Empire books just because he isn't a force user. He's different from Palpatine. He's methodical. He's not mustache twirly. And which is fun. Like we love Palpatine. But here <laughs> With Thrawn, I think we're going to get a much more meticulous bad guy, I'm doing air quotes, bad guy situation. And whether he is the big bad or not, I don't think he is. 
I think he is more of a middleman. I think the bigger bads are going to come later. He is still a more interesting driving force for us because we don't have the concept of him and his kind of character yet. We only have the Nazi-esque Empire and Palpatine. So I, I have high hopes. I think we are not going to repeat history here, <laughs> especially with zombie soldiers. I mean, we're already different. We're already we don't know that they're zombies there. yet. We don't know that for sure yet. They are throwing major zombie energy. <laughs> Let's be fair. <laughs> All right, back to the actual back to this actual episode. That was just something I've been thinking about the last couple of days. <laughs> I like that. I love the cycle of light and dark. I think that's what drives stories in general, especially genre Always. stories. And it's in the different ways we tell them that makes things more interesting. And here we have a non-force user trying to use the force again. <laughs> force of being. This is a great fake out. Oh, so good. So very good. I I love her. I think she is a fantastic character. I think Natasha's doing a great job being Sabine. She's trying to use the force. We're here. We're thinking she's maybe moving the stones. But it's not her. It's not Sabine. It is an approaching Star Destroyer familiar to some. This is the Chimera. We'll talk a little bit more about it later. Thrawn has arrived. Meet Thrawn Urodo has arrived. <laughs> he paces through his troops who are identified in these subtitles as Night Troopers. And they're all chanting his name very semantically. Creepy. So creepy. So, so creepy. ominous. So cool. Like, what a great entrance for Thrawn. I loved it. He takes in the new arrivals and notes Morgan's effort to bring him home. Home being the operative word here, not his home. They discuss how long it will take to load up the Great Mother's cargo from the catacombs. We're going to have to touch base on that later. Yeah. Are these all bodies? Are we looking at more? It is the catacombs. It is the catacombs. They are dead bodies. So it's. Is it Night Sister dead bodies? Is it Night Brother dead bodies? Is it just the ancient death of Miri? I think it's I think it's some ancient death of Miri. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later. Yeah. There's a lot going on, y'all. You guys, this is gonna get crazy. Okay, some troopers bring up Sabine, who has all this ass for Thrawn. Amazing. No notes. <laughs> Fantastic. It's like she's standing up to her very uptight university professor. <laughs> it has that vibe so much. Because they they talk like they're they're old friends. He states that he will honor Balan's agreement and let her go find Ezra. But Ezra might be dead, and when Thrawn's ship leaves, she will be stranded. Sabine mounts up a howler, which is a cute little wolf, rat, horse, baby. It's reminds so me of the um reminds me of uh what's his name? It's the, it's the wolf creature from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two: Secret of the Ooze. Oh, oh yeah, with that yeah. huge long. Toka? Which one is it, Toka is it, and Razor? Yeah, I can't remember. What, I think it's Toka. That one's got to be Toka. He's like. giving me a little bit of um, Falcor, little luck dragon. I could see it. With the elongated face. And I was like, oh, finally, we have a wolf for Anders. It's not a loath yes, wolf, but it is but a wolf. I did get super Dave excited when we see them. We just see them in silhouette, like, yeah. panning up to the tower. And I was like, are there loth wolves <gasps> on this planet? Am I finally getting wolves? <laughs> Are we getting the wolf? Yes, Dave Filoni cannot Please resist. Tell me it's not more cats. I love the kitty cats though. <laughs> but this it was really cool to see this howler. Also very warg-like, but not evil. Very. From what we know. 
Watching her go, Thrawn tells Shin and Balon that they should follow her. If she finds Ezra, they can kill them both. If not, they can just take Sabine out. <laughs> I kind of got the feeling here that Thrawn was like, you can take each other out. He doesn't care for the Force or the Jedi. And I'm like, he he knows Ezra pretty well at this point. He's probably thinking that Ezra will actually take out Balon and Shin. Could be. It could be. He's I mean, trying, seeing how he can position the pieces. I think seeing how this all comes to fruition mm-hmm. is going to be very interesting moving forward into mm-hmm. these last two episodes. Mm-hmm. But Sabine gets set upon by a group of raiders who look really cool. They really cool. Like that red armor. Mm-hmm. Um, and she ultimately beats them by finally using kind of a combination of her Mandalorian weapons and her lightsaber. And then back at the temple, the Night Sister cargo is being loaded up. They are the sides of coffins. It is from the catacombs. These are definitely dead bodies. So many bodies. <laughs> <laughs> and Shin and Balin take off. Morgan thinks that Thrawn needs to send a couple, some more squads, some more troops to help them out. Like, hey, you know, he, it is, they are going after Jedi. Sabine is formidable. And he remarks that after all these years, his numbers have dwindled. And two squads will have to do. Plus, the uh, number of troops weren't able to take out Sabine and Ezra in the past. Why would it work now? Yeah. <laughs> I, I Yeah. When we talk about Thrawn, I, I, I had to ask about that. <laughs> <laughs> but out in the plains, Sabine's howler after he was a bad boy, but then she gave him another chance. He finds some rocks, which turn out to be Zoidbergs. I, I mean, Filberts. <laughs> I mean, Hobbits. <laughs> I mean, naughty. <laughs> naughty. Adorable. They're, they're super scared of her at first, but it turns out they're also actually Ewoks. Yeah. Um, and she, they see the rebel symbol on her shoulder, and they show her that they have a pendant with the same symbol. And after a little bit of back and forth, she manages to go and follow them. She's going on an adventure. She's going on an adventure. They had like vests and stuff. They were totally hobbits or harfoots. Adorable. Whatever you want to call them. I loved them. I want to be their friends. Except they are very nomadic. I wanted them to go whoop, 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 whoop. Oh my gosh. And scuttle (laughs) off into the sunset. Yes, Yes. that would have been amazing. Okay. Back to Shin and Balon. They are on Sabine's trail and find the dead raiders. Shin is still trying to figure out what Balon's plan is. He doesn't see Ezra's threat, given that Ezra was a Boken Jedi, this is a new term for us, and has been called to Perdia by something old and powerful. Jedi Temple, maybe? Zepho Temple, maybe? Night Sister Temple, maybe? Maybe all of the above here. Balin reflects on the legacy of the Jedi and how he has been training Shin to be something more than that. More bandits come upon them, but Balin thinks they might be able to work together. Never know. Very Jedi. Very Jedi of him. Like, all right, my guy, go for it. Sabine follows the Noti to their village. And as she takes in the scene, she hears behind her, quote, I knew I could count on you, end quote. (laughs) (laughs) And cue my tears. Ezra and Sabine are finally reunited and immediately have to start packing since the Noti are nomadic. (laughs) Ezra wonders how she finally found him and states how he can't wait to go home, which is one of the final words that he also says in Rebels. Sabine deflects the topic because whoopsies and just wants to be happy for one second. Let 
Sabine, be happy for one moment, Ezra. <laughs> it's going to be a very short moment. It's going to be a very short moment. Uh, and back at the temple, the Great Mothers reveal that they can sense another Jedi is coming. And Thrawn's like, excuse me? Morgan insists that Ahsoka Tano died back on Setos, but Thrawn reminds her that a fall has never killed anyone in Star Wars. And if you don't see the body, it doesn't count. <laughs> Yep. So he demands all the tea. He wants all the files that they have on Ahsoka. Who was her master? How did she grow up? What happened? Uh, and he, just for safe measure, says that any approaching Purgle should be shot down and killed. And tells the great mothers that soon he will need their magics once again. Ooh. Yikes. <laughs> this was a great episode. This was a great episode of Star Wars. This was a great episode of Ahsoka. Um, I mean, it wasn't perfect. The Ezra Sabine reunion, I actually thought was a little muted. So this, it, it actually, it what it actually reminded me of, and I, I'm pretty sure I've said this before. I'm going on record. I do not want these two to be romantically involved. I love their relationship as I it do. is. <laughs> I know. I love their relationship as it is, and I love. Mm -hmm. But I am going to make a romantic comp here. Lord of the Rings: Return of the King. At the mm -hmm. end, towards the end, I should actually say of that movie, because the end is very long, we finally get Aragorn and Arwen together again. And if you watch a lot of the special features, you get this, you can see the original cut of that scene where they approach each other at top of Gondor. He's the king now. And they have this kind of slow, gentle embrace and kiss and Peter Jackson and everybody's watching it and they're just like this no this this it doesn't it doesn't quite feel right like what what would actually happen and it's what we get in the actual final cut of the movie where they something just kind of snaps and they just like grab each other that's the kind of hug i i, I thought we were going to get here i thought they'd like run to each other and have this like energetic embrace mm -hmm. but it was just this kind of soft it wasn't even like an awkward hug like a hey no. hey how you been uh the, I don't know how we should do that. It was just like a simple thing. It was it's a little like, oh, odd to me. For lunch. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it'll happen later. Um, I think once Ezra finds out what's been going on, there's going to be a blow up. And oh, 100%. After, that, after that, they'll have more of an emotional. Now, Ezra himself, doing awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, is it Iman? Emon? Is just, yeah. I just <laughs> nailed the voice. Yeah. Like, I definitely thought they got Taylor Gray to do a little ADR at first. I was like, because he nailed it. And he's, again, he's got like the hand motions. He's got everything. Absolutely fantastic job as Ezra. Mm -hmm. um, the eyes were a little jarring to me. Yeah. Cause, cause because he has the, those, those you know, violently colorful, bright eyes, but overall still totally worked. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, once you get used to it for a second, you're like, all right, I got you. The night troopers are sick. Really They're cool just so looking. cool looking. They're this so is like Lord of the cool Flies looking. out there. <laughs> yeah. I really want to know um, what's been going on with them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Enoch was an was is an awesome little addition as like a lieutenant. Is the mask very three hundred, very gladiator or Kingdom of Heaven type vibes? Given why would they cover his beautiful face though? <laughs> this is true. This is another time when they. Star Wars casts an absolutely very good-looking actor or actress and just puts them behind a mask the whole time. Gwendolyn Christie, Carrie Russell. 
And now, dear sweet Amos. I'm just, I was flabbergasted. <laughs> I was like, please don't be Wes. Please don't be Wes. Oh, it's Wes. <laughs> yep. Dear old Wes. Uh, and then when Thrawn was doing the entrance, I get that they hit dwindled numbers, but I just, I wanted, not that I wanted more, because I think that they actually they did an excellent job, but as they're chanting, all I could think was, once again, I'm going Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, when Grand is being brought yeah. to the front, and they're just, all the orcs in the Urukai are chanting for it. Oh, man. Another wolf. <laughs> Another wolf. <laughs> Bring up the wolf's head. Ooh, I I agree. I thought it could be a little bit more grandiose, but but I understand we'll the, chimera. the chimera looked yeah. awesome. I loved all of its like little mini repair jobs. Not quite sure how it's still flying. <laughs> I mean, the Millennium Falcon can fly. <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm thinking more just like from fuel from a fuel perspective. The fuel thing is weird. Like, I think we're gonna have to learn like how Thrawn has been able to get the chimera up and running because mm-hmm. yeah nine years i think your fuels run out my guy i mean they could very well have starship travel in this galaxy that's not a that's not an unheard of thing but begs the question if they did why are they still here if they're looking to leave <laughs> right exactly we have so many questions, so many questions. <laughs> they wouldn't so many questions that won't even fit in our question section um, I loved this episode. I was a bit nervous going in since I moved overseas. I wasn't able to watch it right away. So I looked at an episode synopsis before watching it because I didn't want any spoilers. I wanted to like spoil myself basically, but I was mostly happy with the outcome, especially finally seeing Ezra and Thrawn. I can't wait to see what happened between them. Once the Purgle dropped them at Perdia, that is really what I want. Like, I like this show, but what I really want was to know what Thrawn and Ezra have been up to. Uh, the music, once again, fantastic. Just mm-hmm. amazing. And then their creature work, too, is great. I think Natasha did a really good job with oh, the creature yeah. work, because that is never easy, as we know from the prequel trilogy. Yes. I think they did a really good job. I'm pretty sure they did a mix here. They had to have a mix of practical and because this mm-hmm. is the type of creature that Anytime you are going to do any uh, any sort of mammal or anything mm-hmm. with fur or hair, it's so much harder to do than like reptile scales. Yeah. And my general benchmark is if we're not hitting Aslan in the first Chronicles yeah. Narnia movie, we shouldn't be trying. Yeah, that's your much. that's your bare minimum. <laughs> and that's an old movie, folks. <laughs> it is, but they did so well. They really did. They Same did people that did Gollum. Job. I mean, there we go. With studios, <laughs> just slant it. Um, okay, next we're going to head into our little character study section. We don't get to see much of Ahsoka, but I did like that she was more relaxed here. Like she's she's chilling. She's chilling on her shirt. She's chatting with Yang. Traveling in a purgle's mouth doesn't seem to be too anxious about that. <laughs> like, all right, I guess this is just what we're doing. But is she? Has she just not accepted that this was Sabine, that this was always the choice that Sabine was probably going to make? Is she in denial no, about that? I think she is a little bit. I mean, I think she needs to pull from her younger self and be like, was there any other choice she had about leaving the Jedi Order? This is that kind of momentous decision that she really, I don't think she would have made another choice, even knowing what happens with Anakin. 
I still think she would have left mm-hmm. the Jedi. And same with Sabine here. I think she always would have wanted to go find Ezra. If the if the question is, should a member of the ghost crew gamble absolutely everything on the chance to rescue a number member of the ghost crew, they're going to do it. Yeah. Gotta get those <laughs> specters together. The specters stay together. <laughs> And we do get to spend more time with Sabine. She's she's problem solving. She's trying to figure out how she and Ezra can leave because she right now she does not have a plan. I mean, she that's just, par for the course. <laughs> absolutely par for the course. But I mean, I was a little, I was a little um, worried when she was yelling at that poor little howler. But then mm. when she came up to it and she was giving it the scratches and she's like, "Oh, okay, you did good. You did good." I was like, "Yes, that's right. It's a good boy." And I loved seeing her face down thrawn mm-hmm. like we've we have seen them in scenes together but the scene it was actually really reminding me of was um towards the end of rebels when she's talking to what's his name the uh the dark side <laughs> researcher or whatever and she's the just imperial like, the imperial and she's just like i'm smarter Professor. than you yeah <laughs> i don't like, know if she's smarter than thrawn but i mean it's damn close yeah <laughs> she's she's got this confidence she's it's weird she's in an entirely different galaxy with no plan, but this staring off against this guy is familiar territory and you can tell and you can sense it. Oh yeah. She's like, oh, okay, this is where we are. <laughs> I can do this. I can do this part. <laughs> I can do this all day. Definitely. Now, that being said, like I say we can feel that. Could be if you did not watch Rebels, then you all you really have to know that they have a real past is when Thrawn is like, oh, that's a familiar name. So you know, you are cued into the fact that they've crossed paths, but you don't know as much about that history. So I could see people maybe bumping on that a little bit if they're like, she's been kind of like this way. And then all of a sudden she's got this confidence. Like, but I think they did a pretty good job of showing that these two have a history. I agree. I mean, he was he collected her arts. By which I mean yeah, he appropriated it. He, he loves it. her art. <laughs> yep, he is he is a fan of art and art appropriation. <laughs> when he's older, not when he is younger. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Speaking of Thrawn, he has gone a little Colonel Kurtz here, it seems. Like this decade plus of getting high on his own supply is finally getting to him. Um, For me, he, and you have read Heir to the Empire too, he feels yep. like Heir to the Empire Thrawn as opposed to the younger version that we got in the canon book trilogies. He is much more in line with that straight-up villain portrayal that you love so much, Anders. <laughs> but I do like Lars's line readings. They have enough nuance where you can see like the mechanisms at work in his head. This like master manipulator is at work. He's willing to do anything to get this job done. We don't know what job that is yet, besides reestablishing some sort of imperial rule. We really want to know what he's been up to with these night mothers. Like what sort of kinky shit has been going on here? (laughs) I'm very curious because Thrawn is usually not into non-scientific approaches besides his love of art. Maybe that's how he connects with the great mothers. Night mothers is like, Ooh, your art. Fascinating. And then they have high tea and get to know each other. Like maybe that's what happened. (laughs) What did you think of the look? You remember, I mean, this was the one thing I was I was particularly very worried about. I'm, <laughs> I'm still <curious>. worried. <laughs> You're still worried? <laughs> I have concerns. Um, 
For me, he looks like Lars Mikkelsen in blue makeup. He doesn't look like Thrawn. Mm-hmm. And that's because Thrawn is Chiss. He is an alien. He's supposed to look a little bit alien. And I, I don't think he looks like that here. His eyes are great. I liked the shine on the eyes. The uniform looks crisp, like that's Thrawn to a T. But, and the voice, of course. Lars Mikkelsen's voice is perfect for Thrawn. But he didn't look like the kind of guy other Imperials would look down upon because he was an alien. Like, he looks too human. Yeah, I think they like... did that. They, I think they did a good job there. There's a very light prosthesis kind of on the forehead to get that V going. Yeah. And But his cheekbones are not popping, Anders. They need no, to No, they're not. I think that they... <laughs> I mean, this is, I don't know what an older Chiss does look like, but I, it's kind of like, I'm not in any way asking for Lars to get into like Captain America style shape for this. That's just unrealistic and stupid. Maybe just like a little bit of a a body shaping suit. Yes. Kind of like Ian McKellen wore when he was Magneto, like something just to give it a little bit more of that angular look to make him look a little bit different. Yeah, trim. He's supposed to be very tall and very, like, not slim, but fit, even as an older, just older yeah. Thrawn. Like in the book, he's supposed to be tall, imposing, military. Like mm-hmm. the kind of really cliched military guy who's always super fit and you have no idea why. Yeah. It's because he's sparring with robots. Like, let's <laughs> be real. Yeah, like I, I was thinking about it. Like in A Few Good Men, I absolutely buy mm-hmm. that Jack Nicholson could whoop my ass. Even though he's yep. definitely not in, he's not in like the prime of his life or anything. Yep. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily believe that that Lars could whip my ass <laughs> in the scene. Not here. <laughs> Lars in real life, maybe. Maybe. But like, this is kind of the difference I think between casting him and maybe casting like Mads Mikkelsen. I believe Mads Mikkelsen can kick my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Lars Mikkelsen, I don't know. He relies on magic too much on The Witcher. <laughs> All right, moving on though to our guy Ezra, and he's he's all grown up. And I gotta say, actually, the fan art from before really nailed it. They did when they, they took did. like season they one did. Ezra and added a beard. Like, they good job. He's got an yeah. Obi Wan style beard. Yep, he looks like his dad in the pictures of his dad. <laughs> yeah, and like I said, Iman Esfandi doing an absolutely amazing job with that smirk, just a little bit of swagger despite the fact that he probably hasn't had human contact in a long time. No, just turtle people. (laughs) Just turtle, just turtle crabs. (laughs) I mean, Ezra and Sabine were, we talked about this already, they were so close. It was nice to see that dynamic kind of take off again and immediately fall into the also somewhat avoiding each other. (laughs) Like they're both comfortable, but they are still holding back a little bit. Again, like just, just, just a little hug. What's going on guys? Mm. Ezra seems very happy, but not, it's almost like he's holding in his joy because he doesn't believe it's real yet. But then he will believe it's real when she's like, (laughs) actually, I have no plan to get us off this planet. He'll be like, here we go. Go screw all over again. We're just going to wing it, I guess. You know who's not winging it, though? Balon. (laughs) He is in this to win it. I think so far he's the most interesting character. At least, especially new yeah. characters. The ones that I know, I know them. But Balon is so intriguing. We really 
still don't know what he wants. He's only given us kind of these esoteric terms of wanting power, lasting power, but does he want to create like an army of force-trained people to keep watch over the galaxy? But then he knows how the Jedi failed so spectacularly, so he doesn't want to recreate the order. We just don't really know still what's motivating him. And it just makes it so much harder to believe that Ray Stevenson won't be able to play this character again. He's just bringing this gravitas and sadness, like very deep sadness to a role that could just been any other villain. Because I don't <laughs> see him as a villain either. <laughs> Not like Morgan. I think doing. Morgan is straight up villain. <laughs> yeah, I love what he's doing here. I love the present potentially positioning him as this character who's like chasing the truth behind the old stories. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. he, I just want to know, I want to know what he thinks he's going after. Don't right. have to necessarily find out what it really is yet Mm -hmm. but like what does he think he's chasing very dooku like it's giving young dooku looking at prophecies yeah i'm thinking uh like does he think he's going after the holy grail or Mm. something like that like some kind of wellspring of power that he's just going to be able to draw upon i don't know and then much later we can find out what it is whether that's in a comic spinoff or whatever because i don't know if we're gonna have to recast this character or leave him here or see what happens (laughs) i don't know exactly and actually just one more point i kind of wanted to make i was asking you about this over the last couple of days and Uh balen i think (laughs) is the one to to really talk about it with the thrawn as well and it's this concept of the villain that doesn't lie it's a villain that i love i think it always makes (laughs) for a really really intriguing character and i love that they're doing that with technically with both of these because you know we were talking about palpatine earlier palpatine lies to everybody all the time all the time all the time but these two technically have not lied to sabine i don't think thrawn never lied to the rebel crew. thrawn i don't think he's ever lied ever i mean he's he might omit the truth strategery yeah he'll omit the truth for sure but never face to face with people he says what he means mm-hmm. and it's it, i love it i always love it it was one of the more intriguing aspects in the hunger games with president snoke when he and katniss are just like we will not lie to each other mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he absolutely always kept up his end of the bargain is he like that in songbirds and snakes he, mm, not i haven't read it yet <laughs> not quite he's he's not really a villain just yet he's more of a product of a system and then he gets okay. there by the end. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> but yeah, I I agree. A villain who is truthful, I think, is far more dangerous. Yeah. Because you're never sure. Like, they can say that they're telling the truth, and the reader or the viewer might know that they are. But the other characters <laughs> might not know that. They're used to people like Palpatine who are manipulative in a way where they have to rely on lies and concealment. Right. Whereas Thrawn and Balon, they just get you to do what they want. <laughs> they're convincing. Not through anything. Yeah, they're convincing. Like, were they wrong, though? Like, is Balon, <laughs> is Balon wrong that the Jedi fucked shit up? No, he is not wrong. 
he's not wrong. Now, how they fucked shit up and what to do about it, he might be a little bit, <laughs> he might be a little misguided. Yes. This isn't about morality, Anders. This <laughs> about whether, no. <laughs> because moral, and that's another thing that, that's kind of cool is moral villains or moral villainy, where you can say. Those who practice socially conscious evil. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Villains right. who go watch like Killmonger. <laughs> yes, people like in Marvel, like Killmonger, who have a point. Like they're going about it the wrong way, but even on the moral standpoint, in some ways, they are right, mm-hmm. and that makes for a more compelling villain. Which is why I think Balin is working so well for Absolutely. us and for other viewers. Now it's a question of whether or not he's passing on his teachings properly. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about Shin. She's mm-hmm. asking more questions. She, mm-hmm. You tell, she, I don't know, she she trusts Balin, but we don't know a ton about how he's trained her. He says he's trained her to be something more. Mm-hmm. But what exactly is that? We don't know yet. I mean, the Sith way <laughs> would be, I am training you to one day try and kill me. Yeah. And either you will succeed or you won't. <laughs> this is a very much more like a Jedi master and apprentice relationship mm-hmm. i mean did she did she see thrawn and it's just like yeah okay boomer whatever <laughs> we're we're the we're the, we're gonna be in charge now <laughs> big teen energy coming yeah. from shin like who's this blue guy <laughs> why are what we Liz going on <laughs> she's thinking sabine maybe has a, a point here and being a little badass in front of him yeah, I could definitely see. I wish, kind of wish we had a little like panel for her to when Sabine's just like staring down Thrawn. You can see, I would like to have seen Shin be like, all right, girl, respect. Yeah. I can see. Like, ah, you're talking to the old man. Like, he's old and useless. I like that. <laughs> but you could tell she does not trust Thrawn. She does not trust Morgan. She only trusts mm-hmm. Balin, and she's asking more questions of him. Will. Does she think that they need to kind of strike out on their own? Could Ezra and Sabine potentially talk her and Balin into joining forces and be like, yo, Thrawn's going to betray you. And Balin's like, I know. <laughs> That's just it. And Shin is a lot like Sabine and Ezra, the consummate question askers. Yes. Just ask Kanan and Hera, who asks the most <laughs> questions? <laughs> Sabine and Ezra. <laughs> yes. The teens. Teen's got to be asking questions. Always. <laughs> All right. Well, you're going to move now into our next section here. Homages, Easter eggs, connections, callbacks, and Colleen. Titles, titles, titles. Titles. This one. I loved it. I love it. Far, far away is the title for this episode. This, of course, is Hashtag a callback to the... <laughs> <laughs> In a kingdom far, far away. <laughs> Call back to the very first Star Wars movie, A New Hope, and the opening line of A Long Time Ago in a Galaxy Far, Far Away. This line evokes the fairy tale opener Once Upon a Time, but gives it that kind of little sci-fi edge. David Tennant must have had a great time in the recording booth getting to sing this. Absolutely. He was sitting there like, you guys are giving me the best lines and I'm the droid. It was a little little cheesy, but I liked it. It worked because it's David Tennant and it's Huyang. Anybody yeah. else, it might not have worked. <laughs> but because he is 25,000 years old. Yeah, and the man has seen it all. He has seen it all. And he probably came by a TARDIS. So there we go. Yeah. 
<laughs> and what is he talking about? He's talking about History of the Galaxies, part one, two, and three. Mm -hmm. He mentions these to Ahsoka, who, who says that one is the best, of course. Now, fans have been trying to figure out what exactly this is referring to. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it when they're doing the, oh, one is the best, is it the, you know, the original trilogy? But I think most people would say two is the best. I know, right? That's why that I was front. like... Or, you know, is this a sly reference to The Phantom Menace being the best of the prequels? <laughs> it's true. Um, Darth Maul is in it. <laughs> you know, or is it the entire... The entire Star Wars series, and yeah, the the original is absolutely the best. Also, when do I get my? Um, I don't care if it's animated and it's just the history of the galaxy, part one, two, and three specials. I don't care if this is a live action parody doing history of the world parts one, two, and three, still narrated by Hu Yang. You can't set up a spinoff series like this and not give it to us, <laughs> right? Dave Filoni is just like seeding little things, little thoughts in his shows. And I love that for us. Yes. Because if we got to see so many of like old stories of like the Republic and the Jedi, that would be amazing. I'm here for it. Speaking of Hu Yang, we have our droid as the narrator kind of trope that we have in Star Wars. Both C-3PO and R2 have served as narrators in some fashion, especially when you realize just how much R2 has seen. There's kind of the argument that the entire trilogy is from R2's point of view, because he's literally lived through it all. Uh, 3PO has more straightforward narrator role. In Return of the Jedi, he even sits the Ewoks down and tells them the original trilogy story mm -hmm. up until that present point, of course. We mentioned this way back in our first episode covering A New Hope. George Lucas originally envisioned R2 as the narrator of the entire Star Wars saga. Yeah. So it makes sense that Hu Yang, who is much older than R2, would be narrating this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and next up, we have the Great Mothers. I mean... Mm -hmm. Anyone here seen Dune? Red Dune? Want to talk about the Bene Gesserit? Mm -hmm. Yep, that's what I got. Immediately. Yeah. <laughs> immediately. I also definitely, I mean, these are the three fates, and they were even talking about fates. Um, we've got these three witches, you know, in Greek myth, the three fates all had very specific roles to play. They would spin out and then cut everybody's life. No one, not even the gods, could mess with their decisions when it came to snipping those those golden threads of fate. And nope. they are very much working with this kind of like sci-fi thread going between all their orbs. You know, we talked a little bit about how these huge Night Sister statues are very Lord of the Rings inspired. Also just a great, uh, great casting on all three of these, yeah. I gotta say. Mm -hmm. So... These three actresses are people who diehard sci-fi enthusiasts would probably know. You had Gerald, Gerald Prescott as Actropa. Uh, she has had a stint on The Walking Dead. She was in these short-lived Swamp Thing series that got canceled because of a misinterpretation of a tax write-off. Um, mm -hmm. Then you had Jane Edwin Seymour as Lake like, I don't know if it's Lachesis or Lakesis, however you want to pronounce it. The Greek uh, is Lachesis, I think, but Lachesis. it could be yeah. different here. <laughs> I mean, they basically, they took the three fates names and just gave them Star Wars spellings. Yep, basically. <laughs> so, <laughs> she was the Borg Queen in Picard Season 2. An odd season of TV, but had its moments. And then you've got Claudia Black as uh, Clotho. 
she is very well known to sci-fi television enthusiasts uh, from Farscape to Starry SG-1. She did a one episode on The Nevers. She's not quite like a Katie Sackoff level of casting here, but she's pretty close. She's a very well-known and beloved sci-fi television actress. Um, no. Also referencing here the three witches from Macbeth, is, who were yeah. kind of seen as the three fates, bringing us all the way back to the episode two title, Toil and Trouble. Mm-hmm. We're into some magic shit now, and I gotta say, give me more. This is crazy. <laughs> when I saw that those were their names, um, I'm a big Stephen King fan too, and there is a novel where the three witches or the three fates come into play, and Atropo is the cutter of the thread. Lachesis is kind of like the keeper of the thread, and then Clotho is the one who makes it. So this is really kind of cool. I'm like, Dave Filoni, go off on your like mythological references. We're getting some biblical references later too, but this is just really cool. And I love how much the Night Sisters are figuring into this because that's some of our favorite stuff from Clone Wars. Absolutely, it's just like you. It's just so ripe for storytelling. It's right to see a different way to connect with the force yes and powerful women oh no <laughs> in star <laughs> wars what will we ever do <laughs> okay next this one i have to call out daniel because he is very into this part of the story this is the couchette carvings that are seen in this episode kind of those things where you're like oh is that a star wars language i don't know i don't have time to look it up so the carvings in the cage in the caves on Peridia are from an ancient people known as the Zappo. These guys are usually force sensitive and very, very powerful, very into empires themselves. Kujet is named in this episode on an inscription that reads, Glory to Kujet, ruler of all. May his reign be everlasting. Sound like Palpy a little bit too? A little bit of, but... a little bit forever in there. The uh, writing of the script is called Urkitat, and this could be Filoni hinting that the Zepho could be the new Yuzan Vong, and not the Grisk, as we had believed from the canon novels by Timothy Zahn. It could be a combo. It could be that the Grisk are taking, like, their kind of their training from the Zepho. Like, maybe they're maybe. an offshoot of the Zepho. They were, these people were also mentioned in the game Fallen Order, which is also Daniel's forefront so he's like oh god this is from the game this is so cool <laughs> and one other thing for the Zepho the Raiders helmets that they were wearing those kind of red pterodactyl looking yeah. helmet things look like the heads from the Zepho they're actual like biological heads I think it's really cool I somehow doubt that they're gonna fully introduce these guys here right. like yeah. this is just it a little bit a of a it's a too small of a reference for too big of a reveal <laughs> to do with two episodes left but i oh, love yeah. the idea if unless for they're some building reason, for like the final film yeah like if the whatever is calling to balin is actually kujet and you're just planting a small seed here and we can explore it more later in other stories mm-hmm. okay but please don't try please don't try and do this now no this is like a season three reveal yeah <laughs> let's wait speaking of balin he refers Ezra as one of those Boken Jedi trained kind of after the, the order fell. So a Boken is a wooden training sword. Uh, I mean, it's very similar to the ones we've seen Sabine and Ahsoka using in mm-hmm. in this series. And just, it's a kind of a way for Balin to diminish Ezra. 
Yeah. Although if he has ever, if he had ever actually uh, fought against Ezra, he might not be so cocky. Mm-hmm. Especially now. I mean, I don't know. He's he hasn't had a light, he theory, in theory doesn't have a lightsaber and hasn't been in practice for like ten years. <laughs> in theory, in theory, <laughs> we all know that people can make lightsabers. Like, yeah, but you, you need you need a kyber crystal. <laughs> he would need a kyber crystal or some other form of lightsaber crystal. Mm-hmm. Well, in legends, there's other things there that are. you can use in there, but yeah, he would have need to have found it. Maybe the Knight Sisters have some. Oh, <gasps> green. Another green saber. Another green saber. <laughs> and next up, all right, let's talk about Enoch and the night, the night troopers. So, mm-hmm. calling them the night trip troopers obviously evokes connects them to the night sisters, the night brothers, of mm-hmm. which Maul was one, and his brother Savage Press. At this point, the theory now is that most, if not all, of Thrawn's stormtroopers have been made from zombie corpses by the by the night mothers their numbers have dwindled i don't know maybe they were eating some of them they were running low in supplies i don't know (laughs) but this would kind of make them closer this would be making morok from the first few episodes kind of make sense Mm -hmm. this somewhat sentient being reanimated or entirely populated by night sister magic Enoch seems like he's a little more sentient. I would like to think that he's been like enhanced by the magic, mm-hmm. kind of like Savage was. Yeah, a warrior. <laughs> a warrior. Um, you know, maybe he's one of the ones who survived. Mentioned he is played by the Expanse's West Chatham, and his name is a biblical reference, just like Ezra in the Bible. Enoch was so devout after living for about three hundred. I think it's three hundred and sixty something years. Uh, he was allowed to just straight up ascend to heaven without actually having to die on Earth. Mm-hmm. So if he went, if he skipped immortal. the death and reanimation step and just went straight to the magic enhancement step, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. Which would be really cool to see, also. Yeah, like there, Filoni is giving us all kinds of like things that would be so cool to see. I hope we get to see <laughs> instead of just getting like. I hope Enoch is not like Phasma. Where it's like, oh, cool uniform, and then nothing happens. Yeah. I don't know. Also, anytime I hear the name Enoch, I go towards a uh, recurring character on Marvel's Agents of Shields. Great 10th anniversary. He was a cool, he was a cool, fun character. Mm-hmm. Oh, Marvel Agents of Shield. How oh, we love thee. Okay, you know what else I love? The Chimera. I love <laughs> I saw it. And I was just like, all right, Colleen's done. <laughs> I love the Chimera. I love the ship. This is Thrawn's flagship Star Destroyer. As a Grand Admiral, he had his own ship. Um, It looks really haggard, though, you guys. It's it's not looking good. You can still see the Chimera paint job on the bottom, though. Like, little remnants are left. So the Chimera is actually a monster from Greek mythology made of incongruous parts, which fits the ship's description at this point. Its repairs are in line with the Purgle damage from Rebels. So questions, where did Thrawn find new parts or where did he scavenge them from? What sort of nonsense have we got going on here? Are they just spare parts that the Chimera had? I think some of them are spare parts. Some of them looked like they were gold. Like he got the material, he got the raw materials from the Great Mothers. Probably. They probably helped him fix his ship. Almost. But didn't have uh, hyperdrive, so they couldn't leave. 
or couldn't fix his hyperdrive. So they could, right. Yeah. And if Pergola are only coming here to die, then they, they can't hitch a ride back. They cannot. And I don't think they would. I don't think they're going to listen to the Night Mothers. I think the Night Mothers might be jealous of Ezra in a certain way because he towed the entire Chimera there with Pergola. <laughs> And so like, how are you better at the force than us, you stupid boy? Yeah. Because at that point he was 19. So of course they're gonna be like, ew. <laughs> this, child. <laughs> this child somehow knows how to command the program. <laughs> right. Oh. Uh, speaking of Ezra, mm-hmm. he's got that chainmail shirt, which is mm-hmm. made up of stormtrooper dog tags. <laughs> are these all the people he's killed? Or is he just grabbing souvenirs? Like he he's got to lead that nomadic lifestyle now, so he can't mm-hmm. grab a helmet from everybody. Although I'd like to think that he does have a nice, like red tinted, night night trooper helmet. Like he has to somewhere in his tent. Somewhere. It would be a lot of troopers for him to have killed. Maybe yeah. he's just spent too much time with Chopper, <laughs> and is murdering people now. I mean, if they were all killed in the jump from yeah. hyperspace with a pearl, I can see you. <laughs> He kind of killed them. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine, everyone. Oh, speaking of the Purgle, Peridia is a Purgle graveyard. There are some instances of whales on Earth passing away in the same areas, kind of creating a graveyard. But of course, we mostly think of elephant graveyards on Earth, like from the Lion King. But also, in reality, elephants do have graveyards where they put their dead to rest. And then, of course, Thrawn says to kill any Purgle who come to Perdia, and we hope this does not happen. Do not make those weird bone rings any bigger. No, no absolutely killing, not. No killing of the babies. No Please killing don't. of the space whale. Exactly. Right. <laughs> I love you, Thrawn, but I will not forgive you for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and with that, let's move into our questions and predictions. I mean, we've talked a lot about questions that we had coming out of these episodes, but any other ones that we want to discuss and what do we think is going to happen as we head into these final two episodes? I mean, for on the I, most of mine kind of focus on Ezra or at least start with him. What is going to happen when Sabine is forced to tell him what she's done? Like Ahsoka is very disappointed in this decision. How will Ezra react to it? Is he going to be is he going to be like, you shouldn't have done that? Or is I don't know. Is this going to lead to some kind of a blow up or is that family bond going to hold strong? And he's going to be like, you risked it all to find me. I love you for that. I'd love it if she threw back in his face. Well, you didn't ask when you asked the space whales to take you away (laughs) from our main galaxy. And he'll be like, fair point. You said you were counting on me. angry. Yeah. Exactly. That was like his last words to her. Of course, she's going to try and find you, Ezra. <sighs> but of course, he's Ezra, so he'll probably get bent out of shape about it. <laughs> right. Uh, and then Ezra finds out that his plan did, in fact, work. Sabine does confirm that, yes, it worked. We won. It's good. But does Ezra know Jabba the Hutt is dead, and now his main alias is uh, completely useless? <laughs> no. He can still be Lando. He can be Lando Calrissian. That's true. He can be Lando Calrissian. (laughs) And then this one, I'm curious, what's been going on with... I mean, it's really what has been going on with Ezra and Thrawn for the past nine years. They arrived on the same ship. So Ezra, at some point, got off of it. 
and I'm especially when it comes to like all of those darn stormtrooper dog tags, like did Ezra leave and Thrawn who by the time we got to that point in Rebels, Thrawn was being kind of a spiteful petty bitch. Um, he was really pissed that Ezra had like outmaneuvered him in this way. And so did he send a lot of troopers after Ezra who had to take him down? But Ezra like never once launched an attack on the Chimera and Thrawn was eventually just like, all right, until he causes me an actual problem, I'll leave him out there to probably die. And so no. that's why he doesn't know where they are. Right. That's why he doesn't know where they are. I want Antiques Roadshow with Ron and Ezra. <laughs> that could be, yes, that would be one. And then my other one actually comes back, my my other question comes back to the Night Mothers. Mm. Or the Great Mothers, whatever we're calling them. And when they look at Sabine and they say she reeks of Jedi, mm-hmm. I want to know what they mean by that. Number one, in theory... If this, this is, is where a the different death, galaxy. This is a different galaxy. If the Death Mary came from here did the jedi also somehow come from here do they have these ancient dealings with the with the night sisters or is ezra their only exposure to what a jedi is and now ahsoka coming she smells she smells like ezra it's like ezra god that kid was i mean that kid was going through puberty when they lived on the same ship together so maybe it's just got a permanent stench oh Okay, uh, when it comes to the Night Mothers slash Great Mothers, my question is, how can they not find Ezra, but they can feel Ahsoka coming through hyperspace? <laughs> Maybe the Noti have some sort of, like, force repulsion, kind of like the Islamari, oh God, I can never say their name right, the yeah. Islamari from Legends, like, maybe they have, like, immunity, and then that's why Ezra's with them. Otherwise, you're on the same planet. You can sense Ahsoka coming. How can you not find one boy? <laughs> Ahsoka finds him in like a day. Yeah, exactly. Like, what, what is happening here? What are we doing, Great Mothers? Or maybe he's just like a blind spot in the forest, which could also be really cool. Has he learned to close himself off? Mm, he might. He might have closed himself off from the force. Like a little bit. He's still yeah. got his empathy and just ability to communicate with people. But... Maybe he has pulled an Obi-Wan. He's like, well, I guess I just got to be a hermit in this marshland slash weird planet with these crab turtle people until Sabine comes and finds me. <laughs> there's no there's no uh, there's no empire keeping like a registration of citizens. So it's totally fine if I keep my name. I don't have to call myself as Ro. Huh? As Ro Bridger. <laughs> Totally hiding in plain sight. Ah, Sandy. yes, old Ezra. <laughs> now that's a lore name I haven't heard in a long, long time. <laughs> oh my god, I I do want to know why the Night Mothers are helping Thrawn. Like, why do? I mean, I guess I'm guessing it's because they want to leave as well. They want to get to a galaxy that has people, people to rule, people it has to crush. People. They found out that their descendants were kind of slaughtered. They're like, well, now we Ooh. have to go and uh, rebuild that. So, yeah. Oh, Duke. Duke is dead, though. I mean, <laughs> let's face it. Yeah. Duke is dead. Palpatine's dead. I that mean, Dathomir is just ready to be rebuilt. Which could be very dangerous for the Resurrected, galaxy. just in time for Halloween. Oh, my. Filoni, you genius, you. Ugh. <laughs> 
All right. Well, I think that is where we will officially leave it for today. So thank you for joining us. You can find us on Twix and Instagram at YSWpod. Follow us wherever you're getting your podcasts. Hit that follow button. Leave us a five-star review. Enjoy all of our previous episodes on Star Wars films, Star Wars Visions, Bad Batch, Spaceballs. Check out all the offerings in the Forgotten Entertainment family over at ForgottenEntertainment.com. And join us next time when we will be looking at the penultimate episode of Ahsoka Season 1. We're already there. Already. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) Until then, always make sure to check the threat of fate before committing to a long-term relationship with a chiss. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye, guys.